welcome to the Conversation for Dub podcast. I am Dub. And uh, if the sound is a little bit strange or a lot more background than the uh, previous episodes, it's because I am driving. I decided that uh, I'm going to give this a shot. Um, I tried it this morning, recorded this great half hour uh, little podcast, um, and uh, due to technical uh, difficulties of my own, which I'm man enough to admit that I screwed it up, Uh, none of it uh, got saved. So that uh, was pretty disappointing, but uh, we're going to try again. Um, reason I'm trying to do this in the car is, uh, you know, I got a 30, 40 minute commute every day, uh, you know, both ways. You know, I listen to a lot of audiobooks and uh, podcasts and whatnot, but, you know, a lot of my ideas uh, come in the shower in the morning and, um, you know, I, I know what I'm going to do. And I'm going to end up having this uh, this idea uh, or point I want to make. <clears throat> I got all these little notes and stuff. And, and you know, it, it kind of, uh, for some of these topics that I've been wanting to do, it seems a little disjointed. Um, so I decided I'm going to make use of this time and see if it works. Um, if the audio is so crappy that I can't use it, well, then, you know, what it, it is what it is, right? Okay. Um, so I'm recording this on Monday afternoon now, uh, or evening. I'm on my way home from work. Um, I would like to, before I go any further, uh, go ahead and thank the Smashies for my uh, illustrious win last night and being named a Dyer of the Year. Um, I appreciate it. It's very humbling uh, to be recognized in something creative by a creative. And uh, I appreciate the the, uh, the acknowledgement of going, uh, you know, I don't do dying for the acknowledgements. Uh, so uh, getting acknowledged is, is, is cool, but that's not what I do it for. I do it for the art, um, trying to push the art forward, trying to do things that make people say, huh. Uh, recognition and all that stuff doesn't make a bit of difference to me, to my old school folks that know I don't even want to be over a thousand followers on Instagram. Um, I'm very upset that I am still over a thousand. Um, but I do try to balance out my podcast or my, my, my podcast, my, my Instagram uh, feed with, you know, political statements trying to use this pulpit for good. Now, it does have the added benefit that it kind of balances out my um my followers, uh, you know, I'll put a, a great die up and then I'll get, you know, five or six new, new followers. I'll post something political and I'll drop 10. So, you know, hopefully I can go forward and do a lot of political stuff and get back down under a thousand. I doubt that I'll ever happen again, unless I completely go off the rails and, and turn into some sort of nut job, which, you know, let's, let's don't discount that. That could happen anytime. Anywho. Um, thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Appreciate being on the Smashies. Um, I enjoyed doing my little fun acceptance speech. Uh, that was a you know good time. Anyway, thank you, Dave. Now, the name of this pot or this particular episode is the gift of poverty. Um, in the you know struggle between the the you know uh, the wants and the needs of, of a of a family. Um, where this comes from is is 
as you may remember in my last episode, uh, I talked about uh, the, the birth of lax seeds and how I gave the only thing I had to give my son that Christmas was the gift of poverty. Um, it seems like a very strange statement uh, to make. You know, how can poverty be, ever be a gift? And, you know, excuse me, um, I'm going to take a little sip. Uh, well, the, the reason pov- uh, poverty is a gift is you have to kind of understand where, where, uh, where I come from. And um, during that time when I was unemployed, I, I think that I was more uh, broke than I've ever been in my life. I didn't grow up rich. Uh, lower middle class. Um, when my parents got divorced, it was probably borderline lower class. Um, you know, and growing up, I had a choice to make. I could go one direction and uh, play with kids that had money, um, be made fun of for my my jeans that had patches. And you heard that right. My, I had patches on my damn jeans, man. I'm not talking about under the jean that I mean, yeah, I got holes in them, man. I was pretty rough on clothes, but damn, you put some patches on them, really? Patches? It made me look ridiculous. I'm rocking these damn pants with patches on them. Freaking ridiculous. Now, I mean, that was ridiculous. I didn't think nothing of it until people made fun of me. But that was the choice I made. I made the choice to go the other direction. And I went to the other neighborhood, the one that uh, everybody was broke. Uh, you know, if you got made fun of in that neighborhood, you know, they kind of joned on me for the, the patches. I ain't gonna lie, but not in the same way. You know, it's like we all were struggling, you know, none, none of us had any money and, um, uh, you got kind of judged on, on the merits of your athletic abilities. The, you, you know, whether or not you had a, um, a big head stuff like that, you know, your clothes, you know, where you or your clothes. It was a different era. You know, it was the 70s. Uh, things were different. It was the 80s. 70s and 80s, you know. Uh, fashion was kind of broke anyway, so the patches on your jeans didn't look terrible or too terrible. Um, but anyway, that, so that, that was me growing up. Now, that this time that I, I was unemployed before, uh, you know, right going into Noah's junior year, um, I was broke, man. I mean, broke. Uh, and, I, and I realized that uh, most people and things are subject to, to puffery and um, hyper, hyper, hyperboil. Is that the word? Whatever. Um, but here, here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to tell you, honestly, every day I walk downstairs, I was surprised. I was surprised to see my car still there every day I was just amazed that it had not been repossessed yet Um, I braced myself every single day that I walked out of my apartment for that inevitability that my car would not be there Um, and I talked about being close to eviction the the, the truth is is I was actually legally evicted from my apartment Um, in Charlotte and I'm I'm sure it's the same in, in, in a number of different areas is of the, of the of the country, but there's there's a multi-part process to getting kicked out of out of your uh, abode. Um, first, there's the eviction, right? Legally get evicted. That's when they take you to court. They say you ain't paid, or you 
violated the lease in some way, which usually is for not payment, which is violating the lease. Um, and then the judge determines whether or not you have uh, there's grounds to evict you or not. And then you get evicted. Now you're legally evicted. Now, the timer starts, right? And then there's a, they have to file to get physical possession of your property or not your property, of your apartment. And in this case, um, it has to go through the sheriff. And the first thing that happens is they, they have to file for it. It takes a day or two, reaches the, the sheriff's office. The sheriff's office comes out and puts a notice on your door. And then it gives you, uh, I can't remember the exact number of days, but I think it's like five days or it might even be less to remove you from the apartment. Now, uh, the only thing I do remember is that it was about 10 days that I had from the time that they uh, got the eviction till I had to be out of my apartment. And um, I was, I went to court to uh, fall on the mercy of the court because I wanted to pay it. I, there was literally two days difference, like you know, between I got my first check and this court date. Um, the managers of the apartment complex took the, uh, I guess they had the long running uh, policy that if it goes to court, you know, if I could pay it before I went to court, they'd have let me stay. Uh, because I went to court, they weren't going to let me stay. And, and it didn't matter that I would be able to pay it, you know, before they, the sheriff came to kick me out. In their eyes, they went to court. And that was even with me, you know, having to pay the court costs, which I was going to have to do anyway. That was already going to be attacked on my bill. Um, whatever reason, uh, I ended up talking my way, staying in because I had the money. But I was trying to get the court to not do it, but it, they did it. Uh, so, you know, technically, uh, I was evicted from my apartment. That's how broke we were. That that is that is the the extent of the brokenness. So, you know, um, that that was in March. In December, we were leading up to that, uh, and that that was when I get you know quote unquote gave him the gift of poverty. Um, and you know, hindsight being what it is, I, I, there's not many things better than than uh, the gift of poverty. Uh, it's the, the gift of putting things in perspective. So I told you, you know, I had patches on my jeans and whatnot, and uh, that coupled with I didn't get great advice from my from you know my my parental units. Um, my dad was. You know, a really good dude, but um, much like me, he was kind of bordered on the, the inappropriate and the, you know, a little shady. Um, this is this is an example of the type of advice that I got growing up. And I, I was, I think I was 15 years old when he gave me this advice. 15. He told me that when if I ever found myself in, a, in a, another man's bed with his woman, and I, and I was caught, not to panic, to look the man dead in his eyes as I put my pants back on and say, everybody's got to be somewhere. And during the confusion of what the hell are you talking about, you slip out, you get out of there. That was, that was his advice to me. And the, the sad part is, is that he gave that advice like that was an experience, like that happened. That, that is the type of shit I got all the time from my father. 
So, uh, you know, as Noah was growing up, you know, I tried to give him worldly advice, but make it a little bit more appropriate. And um, I, I tried to teach him, like, you know, another thing my dad had was, I mean, he fought in Korea. He was uh, very patriotic, but he was also very skeptical of the government, very skeptical. He, um, he didn't believe in, in, you know, tapping one's phones. He thought that was a, a ridiculous thing. He used to get so upset when he'd read about, uh, you know, police tapping phones, and uh, he would he would just lose his mind. He's like, I didn't fight. Police you know. reported ahead. I, as you can see, I'm still driving. That's why he's talking to you, telling you this pose. Kind of shady that I'm talking about it. Now here they are. But anyway, um, I also ended up with a lot of. Um, uh, you know, conspiracy theories and, and things like that growing up. And, I, you know, it's okay. It, it, it's healthy, I guess, to have a little bit of skepticism towards your government. Um, so, but I didn't, want, I didn't want to instill this, you know, like paranoia uh, in, my, in my son or, you know, my other kids as well. But, um, you know, since Noah was the one that I, was primarily there, he was the one that was going to get these, these theories the most of the time. Um, I tried to not give him too inappropriate advice, but I did convey some of the things that my dad said. Um, but one of the things that I think that my, um, both my parents instilled in me is, is the um, questioning of things. You know, you don't, we live in a, in a, a free society. Um, part of that right to be free is to question things that you're told. Um, you need to hold government accountable you need to hold people accountable so always question things now uh, a shining moment came when Noah found out there was no Santa Claus uh, I, I'd never been more proud of him because the first question he asked me after that was so what about Jesus is there I mean no Jesus I'm like whoa that was aggressive but you know what do I, what do I say to him with that um, you know I, I told him that it was up to him to decide but I, I was very proud of the fact that he questioned everything. Once you, once it was found that we had been lying to him since birth, he had questions, and you know he was very adamant about those. You know, like what, what's up with this? What's up with that? And uh, you know, that's that's to me. I, I did my job. You know, I, I don't want him to accept anything just out of out of someone's mouth, especially after they've lied to you. And uh, you know, that's a that's a conundrum. Anyways. So I peppered these things in with him, and, and uh, you know, you all often wonder if, if your if your child is absorbing the things that you're trying to get him to, to, to do. And I want him to be his own man. I want him to make his own decisions, right? So uh, I don't want him to do what I say all the time, uh, like as far as choices in his life, right? Like colleges, things of that nature. But I do want him to to know whether or not or question whether or not that's the right choice and I want him to make those choices for the right reasons I wanted to guide him to the reasons that he should make choices and um, with that comes uh, the, the, the the crux of, of, of this episode which is balancing of wants and needs and um, when when you are a when you grew up broke and poor and you get money, um, uh, a big trap to fall into is you 
you make your choices on or your financial choices on whether you have the money right and that's and, and sometimes solely on that like for should I buy my, my kid this my kid wants this well uh, you know you never ask yourself you know should I buy this and I know a lot of parents don't even think about it they just won't buy it uh, they want to go to the, this concert won't bought it you know they're done you know it's just it's it's not an issue and while uh, giving your kids things is it's your choice as a parent that's fine and I'm not advocating that you, you know every child live live spartanly uh, but you know I mean if you got the money and your kids want to do things I think that it's well within your rights to do it but you have to accept the consequences of just giving them absolutely everything that they want and what that comes with is entitlement and they think that they they should be able to get anything they want and that's every generation thinks that the other the, you know the next generation is spoiled and, and entitled and all that stuff and you know the truth is is that uh, you know as a society we're more more entitled so it's not just the generation I mean should parents need to take responsibility that they created that you know you you gave them everything they wanted without getting them to work for it or earn it right because deserve is a ooh, that's a loaded word how are you gonna tell somebody they deserve something right or they don't deserve it what, what who deserves what that's a it's the concept of deserve is uh almost ridiculous um i think that earning something is is a little bit uh more appropriate you know you gotta earn something and that was one one thing that my parents did happen to instill in me even though um unfortunately i didn't heed 100 was you know you gotta earn something you know you gotta earn the money for something you gotta save that money if you want something they made me you know i wanted a, a boom box in the 80s they made me save my money for it i had you know once i got about halfway you know they, they went ahead and bought it for me um uh, you know that they, they, they told me these things like, you know, you need to save for it. If you want the money, you got to earn it. So what they didn't couple that with, with was making choices on whether you want something on basing it on, is it a need or a want? And, um, a couple, you know, one of the things I've heard in my life, and I think that it's, it's pretty cool is that, you know, you, you reach an age and, uh, you're old enough where your wants won't hurt you. Okay, and what that's talking to is that you know you want it, okay, and you know I want a million dollars. You want this this thing. Um, that doesn't mean that you that you just gonna get it. So you gotta like you know earn the money, save the money, whatever. Um, my parents kind of went with the, the, the you know the earning and saving, and they didn't really talk about doing it the right way. And maybe they they. They didn't think that I would head down a path that would uh, that they would need to tell me the, that. But you know, maybe they should have because I did take the wrong route and I did do things I shouldn't have done. Um, I earned money in all kinds of terrible ways. Um, uh, so you know, I, with that, I tried to make sure that my son wasn't following down those those pitfalls. And here we get to this gift of, of, of poverty in that 
we were so broke that I couldn't get him anything. I had to express to him that I could go out and do it illegally. But that wasn't worth the risks involved and it makes, you know, the, 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 the toll that it takes on your humanity to go down illegal paths. I think that, that you know, uh, I, I, just talking about the punishment isn't enough. You know, there's so many things that come with, with selling drugs, for example. There's so many other things that come with that. Um, you know, you, you are, you are helping destroy another person's life. Um, you know, maybe they're, maybe you're only selling to adults that can make that choice. So you can, you can write that off in your head. Well, you know, you're also contributing to the, a drain uh, on, on certain things. Um, and you get into a selfish mindset where you matter and you matter only. And if you're going to do it on a big scale, you wind up into this very dangerous, depending on, you know, the, where you're doing your dirt is, you know, a, a violence, a sense of violence in the sense of that impending violence that needs to be uh, administered. Um, and the threat of that is always there because you could get robbed. You have to be ready for, you know, somebody to try to stick you up. You got to be ready for some, you know, something to go bad at all times. And the drain that that has on you emotionally and even physically is, is pretty daunting. And that's something that's not often talked about doing things illegally. So being in this utter poverty, I was able to show my son that you know, what, what it takes to be a man, man, which is, you know, how, how to feed, feed the family without doing things illegally. Now I'll be 100% honest and real. And that is, if, 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 if we'd have been put out of the apartment, I don't know what I would have done, honestly. Um, uh, luckily I, I moved away from Illinois, uh, where I did all my dirt in my life. And I moved away from Illinois for that reason, is that I don't have that parachute. I don't know anybody out here that I can do dirt with. But that doesn't mean that I didn't think about it. And I didn't think about reaching out to people that I know that are, you know, shady. Um, but I, I stayed I stayed positive. I, I, didn't, I didn't do that. And I showed my son that it was okay not to do that. Um, I don't think that I ever have to worry about him, him falling in those paths. But, man, I... I I kind of thought in my mind that I'm going to be the parent to me that I needed. And that doesn't mean my parents weren't good parents. It just means that they weren't the parents that I needed. And, and, um, I don't know how they possibly could have known that, that I was going to go down the path I went. That, that the same reason though is the reason why I told my son all these things is that I didn't want him to make those mistakes. Make, you know, make your, make a new mistake. Don't make my mistake. Go out and make your own mistake. We'll both learn from that. Don't do the dumb shit that I did. So, you know, again, you know, you ask yourself, are you, uh, is, is my son absorbing these things? And, you know, I think to a certain extent he did. He became uh, a real man during this time. You know, 16, 17-year-old making decisions on whether we eat meat or if we send out uh, a stick to somebody that was 
you know, it's a pretty daunting thing to have to discuss with the child, especially a, a self-aware child that knows that knows what the game gave him and the the positivity that has, has been in his life. Um, that, that, you know, those tough decisions to make, but he made them. Um, so later down the road, I, you know, closer to his graduation uh, is when I, I realized how much of a gift that poverty actually was. Um, you know, his senior year, he was in a couple of classes and there was lots of discussions. And the things that he got to discuss and, and, and the point of view he was able to take and to be able to talk intelligently intelligently about entitlement. Um, you know, we come from the, the north side of Charlotte right now and, and you know, up by the lake and uh, he's on the lacrosse team. So affluence is in our face. Um, it, it's, it's um, you know, these kids got money. They got real money. Uh, 16 years old, it's not even a question whether or not they get a car. It's what car they get. And that is fine. I think that there's a bunch of those kids that, you know, earned the money or they, you know, the parents help, but they earned, you know, they're paying the insurance or things of that nature. And then there's a, you know, there's a number of parents and a number of kids I think that are great kids, even though they have money. Having money isn't instantly make you negative, um, but it, it certainly has the, the potential to make you an asshole. It really does. And, you know, shit, I'm broke and I am an asshole. So there's no guarantee that being broke is going to uh, keep you from being an asshole. But anyway, my, my point there is, is, is Noah was able to uh, intelligently talk about entitlement and what he saw, you know, and, and it gave him a new perspective. Um, I, I was, uh, before I, you know, lost my contract, I, there was times I actually got upset with him because he would ask for stuff and he would always ask for stuff. And I was like, man, dude, stop, you know, we're gonna ask for stuff. And then, yeah, that's my fault because my choice on whether or not I could I got him something was about whether I could afford it and it wasn't on whether or not he needed it or, or deserved it you know look you do you need a new pair of shoes yes if you don't have a pair you need some shoes that's a need do you need uh, another pair of Timberlands that have customized uh, with your name on the on the tongue and on the, the back part no that's a that's a one. You know, you have to make the choice. Is that a want? You know, are you going to indulge that that want? Have you earned that want? Have you done something to help get that want? Did you help save your money? Did you have to do this? You know, these are things that um, often just get just get looked uh, to the side. And and I think you can't just make them earn it because then they'll resent you for it. You have to, you know, that the lesson can't be taught without perspective. And you have to give the, the the full meal deal. You have to do some work, man. You got to do some real middle management work as a parent and get in there and discuss some stuff. Um, I can't say that I was always a great parent. Uh, I would want to take the easy way out if I could on all things. Um, and that has not served me well. Um, I'm unfortunate in that I get away with shit. Uh, I mean, th- things example um is uh my my license plates man my license plates are expired right now um in north carolina there basically is no penalty to to register in your car you know i got the license plate on there i don't whatever the sticker ain't 
valid. I get my um, inspection done because I can do that at the dealership. Um, but as far as registering the car, I don't do it because I do it when they when they pull me over and give me a ticket for it. And then I, I get it taken care of and I take it to court and they dismiss it. Well, this last time that happened, I went to court. Uh, she dismissed it without me having it fixed. So that's, that's that doesn't help me. <laughs> I need a parent, to be honest. I need a parent. And see, I got away with that. Uh, that's not, the, you know, that doesn't help me teach good lessons. And that's the type of person I am. I'm trying to make sure that my son is better than that and that he does the, 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 the right things for the right reasons and make sure that um, he has the, the, the right mentality behind everything that he does. So... Uh, I'm getting, I was alluding to, uh, did he learn the lesson? I learned that he learned this lesson about entitlement and wants and needs when uh, they, there was a class discussion about, um, I can't remember exactly what he said it was uh, entailed. I, I do remember him saying it and then the, the teacher sending me a note saying that they never had a kid talk about uh, it as maturely as he had talked about it and you know he got it he understood that there was a difference between you know that uh, when when you get what you want all the time that there's this you know sense of entitlement and that when you don't suddenly you don't get what you want you have this uh, you know affront like what you really you know I I deserve it you know, or are they, it's, this is mine. How come I can't do this? Or, you know, this is ridiculous. I can't have a penny, whatever. And that comes from not setting those expectations up with your kid. And just because you can afford it, you think that it's okay just to do it. And it, it isn't always the case. Though I will say that, you know, if you have money, that's your choice. How you raise your kids is your choice. Um, I do think that it has consequences, though. And that if you just... Uh, you know, the kid gets what he wants all the time. I see it, see it in my, you know, I see it in my son when I, I just gave him, gave him what he want all the time. Um, uh, if, if I had the money, he got it. That was pretty much the only determining factor is to, do I need it? Um, you know, and, and together being unemployed, you know, we, we matured together with that and, you know, we started to make better decisions on stuff and talking about, hey, I, I know that you want that now, but do you really need that now? Um, do, you know, is there, could you, you know, do without for a while? Is it something that you really want or something that you really need? And now, um, you know, that Christmas I gave him this gift of poverty, man. And, and I think that that's a lifetime gift. That was a gift that he will if he sits and and thinks back and resets his expectations of things, it will guide him through the rest of his days. And it isn't something that is sitting on a shelf right now collecting dust. It's something that he was able to, you know, express to people. It's something that he's able to uh, remember about life that money isn't always going to be there and it's more important to uh, have the um, calm of, of, of mind, you know, peace of mind, calm of spirit, if you will, uh, than, than it is to have that consume 
you know, to constantly consume things and be that consumer. It's great, but that's you know what our society is based on, and, and in certain certain aspects, that's great. Uh, I, I am a consumer, uh, I'm a gadget freak, and and I um, I spend money when I have it, and um, that doesn't often teach the right lessons and it doesn't often teach that that's not going to you know you can dump money all you want into the hole that's in your <laughs> in your heart that that loneliness will not be filled up with things money money can't buy that now money can rent it you know you, you can rent you can rent happiness for a while but you can't uh you can never you can never buy it it's 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 uh it's not for sale there's leases but anyway um, I'm almost home. So that was the, the conversation from Dub this time was uh, the gift of poverty. I hope I didn't ramble too much, and I hope you enjoyed it. Enjoy yourself. Peace. Peace.